Let's look at Luke chapter 18 this morning. Luke 18. And uh, we are about halfway through um, chapter 18. And this is a, a familiar story about the rich young ruler. Starting with verse 18. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, There is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would open all our eyes to this passage of Scripture. Or there might be some here this morning who are thinking, well, I'm not extremely wealthy. This passage doesn't apply to me. And God, it applies to all of us. Lord, help us to hear truth and respond to truth. Lord, what would you have us do according to this passage of Scripture? In Jesus' name, amen. The rich young ruler. This guy, this, this guy was a, a very successful man. In fact, as you can just imagine, uh, this rich young ruler kind of swaggering up to Jesus to ask him this question. Um, And the question he asks is, what must I do to have, or he says first, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Now, there's two things that uh, Jesus wants to get across to this young man. Number one, Jesus wants him to know who he's talking to. And he asks 
this man the question, why do you call me good? Only God is called good. And not that Jesus wasn't good. Jesus knew exactly who he was, but this man didn't know who he was talking to. He wasn't just talking to a good teacher, but he was talking to God himself. And Jesus was wanting to convey to this young man, young man, do you know who you're talking to? Only God can be called good. And you call me good, but I don't think you understand the label that you are addressing to me. I'm more than good. I am God. And so that's the first point that Jesus wants to get across to this young young man. But then Jesus wanted to address what was going on in his heart. Jesus saw some things in, in this young man that others didn't see. And he has uh, two things he wants to address. The first thing that he wants to address is this young man's pride concerning his accomplishments. Again, this man is very successful. And you can just picture in your mind this young man kind of swaggering up to Jesus and he asks his question, what must I do to be saved? It's not about what God can do. It's about what he can do. After, after all, he is a self-made man. He is highly successful. He's probably authored a few self-help books among his peers. If you know anything about Tony Robbins, he was probably the Tony Robbins of his day. And as we look at this passage of scripture, the disciples, they were kind of mesmerized by this guy. In in verse 26, you know, Jesus makes a comment and uh, these guys are thinking to themselves, if this guy can't be saved, who can? I mean, this rich young ruler had it all. And Jesus knew this man's heart. He knew that this young man was full of pride. And he saw right through him. And and so Jesus uh, Jesus says this in verse, verse 20. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Jesus is quoting the relational commandments. He's not quoting them all, but he's he's quoting the commandments that relate to one another. And when this rich man hears these things, he says, hey, I've done all those from my youth up. I haven't broken those commandments. But there was one commandment Jesus failed to mention. And that was the commandment of coveting, of not coveting what your neighbor has. And the reason why he hasn't mentioned that yet is because Jesus knows what's on the throne of this man's heart. Jesus knows the God that this rich young ruler worships. He's got it all together on the outside. 
on the outside, he's doing everything right. And people who know him think that guy has his act together. But Jesus sees what nobody else can see. He sees what's in this person's heart. And the first thing that Jesus wants to point out is this man's pride. The second thing is his love for money. This man loves money. Jesus Jesus is unimpressed with this man's answer in uh, verse 21. All these things I have kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, verse 22, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Jesus goes right to the heart of his idolatry. Jesus knows that this man has it all and he says, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And what does the Bible said? The man walked away very sad. Why? Because he was extremely rich. Jesus knew what held this man's heart. Jesus knew what this what kept this young ruler in slavery. And it was his possessions. It was his money. And Jesus wanted to free this young man. Kind of like the story I'm, I'm reminded of, of, of catching monkeys in Africa. Have you ever heard this illustration before? I went to a Snopes back dot uh, com to see if this story was real or not and and i couldn't fi- couldn 't uh, didn 't know if it was real or not and so if you know the truth of the story and if it 's not real don 't let me know okay because I like this story, but how do you catch a monkey in Africa? Well, the natives of Africa what they do is they 'll take a coconut and they 'll drill a hole in the coconut and they 'll anchor the coconut somewhere but uh, in that coconut. They will put some kind of trinket or banana or something of this nature, and that monkey will reach into that hole, make a fist when he grabs whatever's in the coconut, and when he tries to pull his fist out, what's, what's in his hand, he can't get it out. He has to let go of whatever's in his hand in order to get away from the coconut, but he doesn't want to let go of what's in his hand. And so he stays stuck there. And that's how the natives catch monkeys. Jesus knew what this rich young ruler was hanging on to. He wanted to know how to be saved. And Jesus knew that this young ruler was hanging on to his money. And Jesus says, go and sell all that you have. And then you can have eternal life. But he wouldn't let go. Because he was extremely rich and his life was wrapped around his finances. And he was trapped. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm not extremely rich. 
And so this passage doesn't apply to me this morning. God's not speaking to my heart. My friends, if you live in the United States of America, you are extremely rich compared to the rest of the world. I don't know if you've ever uh, gone to the website uh, global, the global rich list. I encourage you to write that down and, and go where you fall within the income level compared to the rest of the world. But if you if you make fifty thousand dollars or more, did you know that you fall within the th- one third of the top ninety nine percent? of the world's wealth, of, the, of those who are wealthy. The top third of the 99%. And I know a lot of us here make a whole lot more than $50,000. If you make, um, well, there was one other thing I was going to mention, I, and I forgot what it was. Oh, well. But did you know that in the United States, the average American gives a little over $1,600 to, to charity? That's 3%. That's about 3% of their income. And that's both Christians and non-Christians. The average American gives 3.1%. Now, here's a curious stat. If you make less than... $10,000, the average person who makes less than $10,000, they give 5.1% to charity. What does that statistic tell us? That the less you make, the more generous you are. 20% of Americans give nothing every year. of American Christians give nothing to charity. The majority of Christians give about 3%, and then 12% of U.S. Protestants give 10% or more per year. What do those statistics tell us? Well, for the rich young ruler... He loved his stuff. And we have to say, and many are his followers. If this message is making you uncomfortable this morning, friends, chances are that God is speaking to the idol of your heart this morning. The rich young ruler walked away and was extremely sad because he was extremely rich. Maybe you're asking this morning, well, do I have to sell everything in order to have eternal life? Jesus didn't tell everybody he saw to sell everything they had to have eternal life. Jesus was talking to the rich young ruler. 
Jesus was talking to this man's idol. This was the idol of his heart. This was the race God wanted him to run. But it's not necessarily true of all of us. And when you read scripture, you'll find people uh, in the Bible who were extremely rich that God blessed. Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, David. God didn't tell any of these rich people to sell all that they had. In a couple of weeks, we'll be looking at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has an, an encounter with, with Jesus. Zacchaeus is a very wealthy man. Now, Zacchaeus, after being introduced to Christ, knowing Christ, he wanted to be generous. He wanted to repay those he had ripped off. But Jesus never told him to do these things. But for the rich young ruler, Jesus saw what nobody else could see what was on the throne of his heart. What would have happened had this rich young ruler obeyed and decided that is what I will do. That is what I want to do. I don't know what would have happened, but I'm reminded of another story of Abraham in the Old Testament, and his son Isaac. God tested Abraham because God wanted to know what was on the throne of Abraham's heart. Isaac was the apple of Abraham's eye. He and Sarah had waited at least 25 years for God to provide Isaac as a son. And now Isaac has, resu- has, has arrived. He's, he's probably a teenager now. And what does God tell Abraham to do? God tells Abraham, Abraham, go and sacrifice your son Isaac to me. And what does Abraham do? Because he has walked faithfully with God all these years, and, and Abraham has watched God do supernatural things in Abraham's life. Abraham is now at a point that he is so confident in who God is in his life that even if God tells Abraham to sacrifice his only son, that somehow God's going to raise Isaac from from the dead. And Abraham goes and he obeys. And Isaac is on that altar. And Abraham raises the knife. And God says, Abraham, stop. It's not necessary. I know what's on, what, who, who has the affections of your heart. And it is me, Abraham. Abraham, don't sacrifice your son. I have provided the ram in the thicket. And it's a beautiful picture of God's own relationship and God's provision through Jesus Christ. What if the rich young ruler had obeyed and said, okay, I'm willing to give it all up for you, Jesus, to give to the poor. Maybe Jesus would have refrained 
Maybe he would have said to the rich, now I know what's on your heart. We don't know. But unfortunately, for this rich young man, he was in possession of his money. He wouldn't loosen his grip. And his hand was still caught in the coconut. What's God asking you to give up this morning? What's enslaving you? Is it your riches? Is it a relationship that you just won't let go of? You got your identity wrapped around that? Is it a job? Is it a particular possession? There's a message for all of us this morning. What is enslaving you? Keeping you from following Jesus. Maybe keeping you from eternal life. Jesus this morning is saying, let it go. For the rich young ruler, he didn't. And then Jesus made this very bold statement. In verses 24 and 25, he said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. What's hindering you? For this young man, It was his riches. And when the disciples heard Jesus' bold statement, they were traumatized. And they say this in verse 26. Then who can be saved? This man had it all. He was successful in the eyes of people. He was rich. According to their theology, whoever God blessed monetarily, who, whoever was rich, they were approved by God. But that wasn't how Jesus defined things. And the disciples are asking, well, if this guy who has it all can't be saved, then who can? And Jesus says this in verse 27, whatever is impossible with man is possible with God. Is it hard for rich people to get saved? Absolutely. Why? Because for many of them, they have no reason to have to depend on God. They have it all. They are self-made people just like this rich man was. And yet there has to come a point in all of our lives where we are needy for the Lord Jesus Christ. And only the grace of God can do that in our hearts. 
We can't do it in the flesh. This man wanted to know what he could do to be saved. After all, he has done everything else. But Jesus knows that when it comes to salvation, there's nothing. There is absolutely nothing you and I can do in and of ourselves to be saved. It's all purely the grace of God. And Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. Jesus said, or the disciple says, Peter says, verse 28, we have left our homes and followed you. And Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, There is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Let me encourage you, friend. Maybe the, maybe the Holy Spirit is just working on your heart right now. And there's things that you're holding on to. It could be resources. It can be, uh, it could be money. It can be relationships. And you don't want to let it go. I just want to encourage you. Jesus wants to encourage you through his word this morning. Let it go and trust him. He will give you far more than whatever you are holding on to. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. And I'm not not necessarily talking about money. Okay, maybe you're going to make a commitment this morning. Okay, Lord, I'm going to start to tithe and I'm going to believe that you're going to put, put a whole lot more money in my bank account than I'm taking out for you right now. It doesn't work that way. God wants to bless you in ways that money won't provide for. That only God can. In this life and in the one to come. But you've got to be obedient. Step out in faith. Who's on your heart? Is it Jesus? If it's Jesus, it doesn't matter what the cost is. But if it's something else, my friend, you will continue to be enslaved. Kay Warren shared a a story this week. She's caring for her um, her mother right now. Her and Rick are caring for uh, Kay's mother. She's 93 years old, and she has Alzheimer's disease. And they've had to make the the hard decision recently to put her in a home. And uh, this obviously is has been difficult on the on the whole family. But uh, Kay writes about something that her mother says uh, out loud 
over and over again. And this is what she says. I don't like where I'm going and I'm not even sure why I'm here. Why do I have to go to this place? I liked where I was. But I know Kay loves me and would never do anything to harm me. She always has my best interest at heart. So I'll trust her decisions for me. And she says that over and over and over out loud. There's lots of parallels for us as Christians in our walk with God. Jesus tells us to do things that we don't always understand. But like Kay's mother, we need to say to ourselves, Jesus has my best interest at heart. He loves me and he knows what's best for me. And I will continue to trust him. Friends, what are you holding on to that Jesus wants you to let go of, to set you free? God will abundantly provide in ways that what you're holding on to will never, never be enough. Trust him. Trust him. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing the song, Behold the Throne of God Alone. Let me just read the words to you. Behold the throne of God above. I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven. Upon his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an an end to all my sin. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Jesus may be telling you, asking you to do a very difficult thing. But Jesus won't ever ask you to do something that he won't give you the grace to do. Jesus is there for you.
And he wants you to trust him with his command. What's keeping you from eternal life? What's keeping you from the joy of your salvation? Let it go. Let's pray.